crap! Calm down. I just got screwed. Did you see what happened hey, in there? Hey, hey, Could you watch your own show? You're we're figuring, figuring it, it out. out. I'll tell you what happened. This idiot. Hey, hey, hey. This idiot didn't see my Relax. shoulder was Relax. up. Relax. Relax. He's this incompetent. He made a bad call. Of a referee. He made a bad call. He made a bad call. You need to respect, respect him. him. Yes. All you need to respect him. You're like, yeah, you're hey, 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 the first just of win. I want a referee that's not gonna screw me at the United States title. Don't tell me. Hey, 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 you know what? I've got an answer for you. Relax, relax, relax. You know what? I've got a referee for you. Good. Shane. Shane. Are you? He's the worst one here. He's the most incompetent person here. Are you kidding? Yeah, really. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast. It's called Top Marks. It's another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. We are the top guys. My name is Justin Morissette. I am joined, as always, by the janitor himself. (laughs) Is this going to stick? I think so. Is this... For for those... Okay, it is I, Josh Custodio. What Justin's... uh, Making fun of here is a true bully, a real <laughs> heel. Is that my last name is Custodio? It sounds like custodian. Yeah, and uh, get a load of this guy. No, it's. I think it's a good gimmick. We <laughs> fleshed it out last week. You swallow the mop bucket water and then you spit it into people's eyes. It's a great. I don't see what's demeaning about that. <laughs> I think it's a good working class gimmick. You're okay. a man of the people. That's true. The proletariat is behind you. Also that. Okay. All right. Okay. You know what? You are warming me up to it. If yeah. I can, I ask a question about this gimmick. Sure. Yeah. Go for it. So, am I? Is it actual like dirty water, or is it water with like food coloring? Uh, probably like food coloring. Okay. I so, so I'm not like taking yeah, no. slop. No, but we're like, like gonna make it look like green, <laughs> kind of, like not as green as like Tajiri mist. Maybe. Obviously. Like gray brown. Yeah, yeah. But I think there should be like a little bit of green in there to make it really look putrid. That's an important <laughs> factor. But like it'll taste like Kool Aid, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm warming up to this. Like, can I be. But, but like for the folks at home, it tastes horrible <laughs> and Josh hates doing it. Good job protecting the business. Yeah, gotta protect the biz. <laughs> always. Uh, it is Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette. This is Josh Custodio. Oh. If you're new to the show, every week we break down the three biggest stories in the world of professional wrestling. And Josh, do we really have to do the show this week? Yeah, we. Uh, the name of full disclosure, it was it was tough this week to think of three important things that happened in wrestling. Now, SmackDown was a really good show, don't get me wrong. I liked very it. much enjoyed it. Yep. But uh, we can't do the whole show on SmackDown. Well, maybe we could. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Maybe, well, yeah, we was close to. <laughs> SmackDown, Something another wrestling podcast. That, yeah. Uh, I, Raw was just so demoralizing this week. I found it kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. and on, on a string of shows that have been so good. Like, really good. It, it's probably had like six weeks in a row of being a pretty strong show overall. Yeah, I think so. And the last month especially, like very tight, and, lots of interest in and it. And it seemed like after the first like hour and a half, they just 
gave up on the second half of that show this week. It was abysmal. Yeah, I I was not into uh, Monday Night Raw this week. But uh, listen, that doesn't mean nothing happened in wrestling. Yeah. There's the, the G1s going on. I know some people are into that. You know, those losers, they're, they're into the that. They're super into New Japan. Yeah, listen to these guys. Paying for New Japan World a load with of their these. fancy money. Wow, that they have must be nice. Stick around. <laughs> Wish I had some money. Wrestling subscriptions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you I just don't. signed up to a pro wrestling crate though, right? That's true. Yeah, I don't yeah. pay way too much the for it. The fucking New Japan World. What a bunch <laughs> I could have bought New Japan World probably four (laughs) times over for this pro wrestling bullshit. But like you said, Justin, as always here on Top Marks, another wrestling podcast. There's three rounds this week, and uh, do you want me to let you know what they are? Uh, I would love to. I'm assuming that Raw does not get mentioned, though I might be wrong about that. You are kind of wrong, but mostly right about it. Because in round number one, we're going to talk about the... Well, in the name of full disclosure, Justin, I, I'm also a big MMA fan. Yes, uh, I like. I know this about you. You know this because we're good friends, but yeah. the listeners, oh, they don't know anything about me. Listen, I'm, I'm cooler than you think. Trust me. Yeah. But um, we're going to talk about this... The only before. MMA I like is my dear mama. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) And in round number one, we're going to talk about this proposed, um, is it a loan? Is he leaving WWE? But there's rumors. Super fight. Is that how you would describe it? We're going to get more into that, but we're going to talk about this proposed John Jones, Brock Lesnar, UFC fight. Yes. And uh, what that means for the Universal title picture on Raw, what that means for this fatal four way at SummerSlam and the tie ins, and Mm. where Paul Heyman plays into all this. Okay. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm into that. Yeah, I think that'll be a good round. Yeah. Finally, like, we have a round for the first time in a few weeks that really plays to your expertise. And yeah. And I get to just sit back and watch you work. Yeah, that's the thing. Normally on this podcast, I I'm just I'm going to shoot here. you out of a can. Yeah, this is the thing. I I just sit here and, sort of, you know, the, the listeners are here to hear your opinion. Yeah, so just, just hear me yell, <laughs> not, like, at you necessarily, yeah. but with you. Yeah, except I'm not yelling, so it's... Uh, I only yell about how much I hate condoms. <laughs> and at round number two, we're going to talk about uh, Shane O'Mac is refing this SummerSlam U.S. title match. Yes, and this seems like um, a postponement of what we thought was probably going to be a Kevin Owens-Shane O'Mac match. Yeah. So we'll probably get that eventually, but I think it's important that we talk about Shane McMahon just as a wrestler in yeah, general. Yeah, sort of his career And the, the response that he seems to elicit, uh, which is, uh, you know, very positive from a certain uh, strand of fan. No doubt. But also very negative from another strand of fan. Also no doubt. Uh, So we can talk a little bit about that and uh, and his career to date, some of the ups and downs, and just uh, where we think that he might be headed over the next uh, couple months here as this program with Kevin Owens continues. Exactly right. And in round number three, the main event of SmackDown last night featured uh, a match between John Cena and Shinsuke Nakamura, something of a... A dream match, and I thought it was a pretty good match, and we can get into that. But we're we're gonna talk about Nakamura's WWE run. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, have been vocal on the show, thinks that it's been mostly a letdown. Yeah, um, with some high points. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. It's where something he's... that we've touched on multiple times. That's over the right. Course of doing the show, but never really dedicated that much focus to. Never fifteen minutes. Yeah, and that is what we do around here. Every single one of those three rounds is gonna run for a maximum. Of 15 minutes once the buzzer sounds, it's all over. It's like a WCW television title match. It, it always can be is. no longer than 15 minutes. If we do not have a conclusive finish at that point, it is simply over, and <laughs> we'll call it a draw and move on. But, Josh, 
I would be surprised this time around if we don't have one of these rounds not go the distance. Yeah, I think this would be the ever. first time yeah. that uh, we don't meet the 15-minute cap. Yeah. But, but as I read these aloud... We're in like a... It seems like those are three meaty topics yeah. that we can dig into, but we are definitely in like the summer lull of professional yeah. wrestling. I said like on two... Uh, weeks shows ago, two episodes back, that uh, it seemed like you know things that were going to kick into high gear for SummerSlam. Oh, we're already in high gear, baby. Oh, that seems like <laughs> bygone days at this point. <laughs> well, it was maybe high gear, but we ran out of we went too fast and burned out of gas. But so at the it... same time, some of these programs seem like they're pretty far behind for a pay per view that's coming up quicker than you think. When is SummerSlam? Is that soon? It's in like three weeks. I okay, think. so there's still yeah. a while. Hey. Well, yeah, there, there's some stuff I'm into. I, for a show that all this buzz around, uh, I just feel like we have gotten more like supernatural stuff with Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt at this point. Yeah, well, I guess I there's still too. some time for that, but it just it feels like it might get rushed, and they haven't really done a lot with yeah, it. Yeah, there is some half baked stuff going on, and we we can get into that. Uh, maybe we're not. Doesn't really fit. Into <laughs> it doesn't really around. fit into yeah, any of our topics this week, which is it. why I'm making us talk about it right off the hop. But wow. we can move on and get into the three rounds themselves. Hot start. Hot. I think that's the way to do it. <laughs> we got a real hot open. And uh, the number one way we can do that is by beginning with round. Oh wait, wait what? Justin, sorry. Huh? I forgot we have uh, a sponsor this week. What? Yeah. We have a sponsor this week. Uh, this week's episode of Top Marks, another wrestling podcast, is brought to you by my mid-2000s Thunderbird uh, Epiphone bass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you need a bass guitar? Maybe you <laughs> want it owned by me before. Yeah. If so. Do you love to just, like, <laughs> smash out some tasty licks? <laughs> if so, you can have Josh Custodio's old bass because he ordered a Flying V this week. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, I had to get our sponsor no, out no, of No, no, of course. Uh, of course. Yeah, and that's if, what keeps the lights also on. you've been killed by asbestos, we probably have something for you as well. Uh, <laughs> What was the disease again? <laughs> Mesothelioma. How do you remember that? Uh, they got it. it look, they, those carny AM radio commercials have got mesothelioma over. Oh, my God. It's, it is, it's the number one trending disease, I would say. <laughs> For those who don't know what we're talking about, Bruce Pritchard's podcast has like 12 That's minutes. That's all they ever the, talk about. It's like these. It's like the equivalent to like late night ads when you're or in America. Or like the kind of ads that run on like Fox News. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the radio equivalent of that. So, uh, yeah, uh, avoid some diseases and buy my base. And with yeah. that, uh, we also will take your gold in exchange for money. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> it's time for round number one. Round one. Fight. So, Justin, it's – I don't think I'm uh, – I'm not going to keep this secret any longer. Okay. Okay. Uh, I am excited for a potential – Brock Lesnar, John Jones match. Mm -hmm. uh, for a little bit, for the people who don't follow MMA, John Jones is, in my case, or in my opinion, pretty inarguably the greatest MMA fighter ever. Mm -hmm. uh, now there's people who will tell you that that is other big names like George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva, but I think with strength of resume, John Jones <clears throat> takes that title. I realized this week that I am uh, just two days older than John Jones. Oh my god, is that true? Yeah, he was born on July 19th, 1987, and oh it makes me god. feel very stupid and unaccomplished. <laughs> god, yeah. Th there's a lot of equivalents like that. He was the youngest UFC champion ever, so that makes sense. I believe at 23 he held the belt uh, and dominated his entire way there. But he's been pretty troubled lately. He's definitely been a... Well, now I think he's sort of put that a little bit, or at least the public perception is that he's put that behind him. Him right now, but his last two years have been, like you say, tremendously troubled. He's been banned for what ended up being uh, off-brand Cialis dick pills. 
uh, and numerous other things. He, he hit a pregnant woman with a car and then ran away. He, he not not a great guy on paper necessarily. He like have some sort of drinking and driving incident also. Uh, I think he's had like three DUIs, oh, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Seems like a good guy. Well, I mean, listen, we all get drunk and hit pregnant women and run away now <laughs> and then, and then take dick pills and then test for steroids. I mean, th- this happens to people. Exactly. We're just not in the public eye, exactly. Justin. Exactly. No one's testing me for the needed Cialis. But these are very common things. But, but for this discussion, it's worth noting that he is, at worst, he's very, very good yes and he is the ufc light heavyweight champion 205 pounds and i think it's fair to say that in the absence of someone like brock Mm -hmm. who's now with wwe like semi part-time however you want to call it yep and you know uh connor doing the Mayweather fight yeah exactly connor seems to want to do other things at this point ronda's mma career is probably over who knows where it is uh gsp is coming back for this fight but like hasn't done anything in years they definitely need stars might just be doing this as a one-off exactly they're like it seems like john jones is like their last best hope well, he having is. an in-house star. Well, and it seems, according to Dave Melter, that, that pay-per-view was trending to do over a million buys. So John Jones' star power, despite his absence, seems to have not dwindled whatsoever. People were excited to see him back. If anything, it's a big return, which exactly you think right. would pop the buy numbers even higher. Exactly right. Uh, Brock Lesnar, for which is important to know for this discussion, fights when he's in the UFC at heavyweight, and he reaches the heavyweight limit of 265 pounds. So he cuts weight down to 265 pounds. Brock Lesnar, a big man. So John Jones fights, 205. Brock Lesnar, 265. And after his victory last Saturday, John Jones got on the mic and... John Jones with Brock Lesnar! If you want to know what it feels like to get your ass kicked by a guy who weighs 40 pounds less than you, meet me in the octagon. And then he dropped the mic. It was, rad. it was super rad, and <laughs> this is the sort of innate problem with John Jones is he is sort of a pro wrestling character in a lot of ways, where he's he's this scumbag who wins all the time. Where 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 do you go with this guy? He's there's stories about him being out partying, weeks of fights, hardly training, showing up and demolishing at that time the second best guy in the world. But also, this seems to be kind of a common refrain from. MMA lately as their kind of traditional model of building stars has gotten away from them uh, a little bit. It seems a bit more like what boxing was when MMA Absolutely. started to rise up and that it, it's it, it cares more about star power than guys actual like fight Rankings. Exactly. There's no question about that. And there's actually a sort of famous anecdote about that where Shane McMahon went to his father, Vince McMahon, years ago, I think in the, the late 90s, and told his dad that they should buy the UFC. And I'm paraphrasing, but Vince effectively said, there's no money in that because how can you build a star if you can't have choose if the guy wins or not? Uh, which is, it's an interesting angle. It tells you a lot about Vince's mind, right? And now you can see... What a control freak. Exactly right. So, in a situation <laughs> like this, let me... So, you're not a diehard MMA fan. No, but I have a passing knowledge of it. Sure. I always have, clearly. But does a, a Brock Lesnar leaving WWE to go fight their current greatest fighter do anything for you? Uh, I don't want him to leave. Okay. Because uh, I think that's also bad for him long term. I mean... I I really was impressed uh, when he chose to resign when his contract was up last time, not just with the fact that he was staying in WWE, which is something that I really badly wanted because he was one of the more interesting and and, uh, impressive uh, in-ring workers that they have. He's one of the guys 
where it feels like a shoot every time, even though I know that's not possible. Right. Uh, and that's pretty rare these days. We've talked about how much legitimacy Brock Lesnar brings to the table, and that's something that WWE craves yeah. and needs. And covets, obviously, because no they will just let him do anything by just the fact that he fought Mark Hunt while he was still under contract that's last right. year. That's right. Now, that didn't necessarily go super well for them. Well, it didn't seem to hurt them either. No, I don't think it did at all in the long term. Yeah, because they never really referenced it hardly no. on their own television. And all they got out of it was like some pay-per-view ads that well, played during uh, the UFC pay-per-view. And on the sure. Monday, they still said, hey, old boy beat Mark Hunt. You yeah. know, he jumped over there, hasn't fought in two years, beat their top five guy, no problem. Exactly. Which is somewhat of half-truth. But... I love that WWE took that John Jones call out and they helped it play into Monday Night Raw. Sort of. With Heyman saying Sort that, of. Like they never explicitly referenced it. It relies on you having an overarching knowledge of sport to be able to piece this together. No, they had a John Jones clip on Raw. Really? They had John, not a not a video, but a picture of John Jones and the quote beside it. Did I miss this? You may have missed this. Yeah, no, they had a, a John Jones, a fo- a picture of him. Was Raw so fucking boring? <laughs> you may have fallen asleep I during this. Was just in another dimension at that point? You may have been in actually you know what? I just checked the dirt sheets and you were in another dimension. Oh, wow. That's what happened. I got sucked into the upside down. So so they did acknowledge it and I think that the the it is true genius having Heyman be like, "Listen, I you're trying to get this off him? Yeah. No problem. If they can do it, Brock's gone forever. So this is going to bite you in the ass. Brock will leave WWE if he loses his title at SummerSlam." Yeah. Um and I think that he probably should. Yeah. But I, I don't want him to leave. What I was going to say there is, like, not only was I happy that he was resigning, but I was happy with the reasoning that he gave because he came off very intelligent and said that, like, look, I'm not an idiot. Like, I know mm-hmm. that, like, if I keep getting punched in the head as a shoot, like, that is not good CTU. for my long-term health yep. prospects, and I don't want to deal with that. Uh, which, like, it was nice to see somebody go, I think he was, like, on Sport Nation or something on ESPN. Okay. Uh, talking to, like, Michelle Beadle, I think. Okay. And, and he just was basically, like, it's, it's, it's not just a factor of, like, WWE giving me money and, like, a more, you know, lenient schedule in terms of what I have to put my body through. It's, it's like, it's that I'm protecting my own health right. for the future. And because I believed him when he said that, I don't want to see him go back on that. Now, I think that's an interesting point. Like, you're talking about you care about Brock Lesnar, effectively. You yeah. don't want this guy to end up as a vegetable. I, I don't think that'll be his case because he fights so infrequently. I do think that the savviness of Brock Lesnar, both as a businessman and an awareness sense, is not talked about enough. This guy's always playing the two sides against each other. He's getting the biggest contracts from either side. Yeah, before it was UFC, it was the NFL. Oh, yeah. He he is a, a true businessman, and uh, I suspect Paul Heyman has a lot to do with that. Um, who, so does this affect the title picture going into SummerSlam to you, or do you think this is just a build-up to a swerve where you go, oh, wow, they're really, he's going to leave, and that means he goes to UFC? I mean, it seemed like the entire reasoning for putting him in a multi-man match like this in the first place was to take the belt off of him. Right, without him getting Without pinned. him losing. Like, that... To me, it's like Samoa Joe is in that match to either win the title or take the pinfall. Wow, that's interesting. There's hey. no, 
Like, yeah, you can't you can't really pin Braun or Roman, I suppose. I mean, you can like you can pin anyone. Well, you can't pin me. <laughs> you can't like, do it. The con- they, ah, stop trying, Justin. Like, okay, you of, can. Part of why wrestling is so boring is like they get stuck in this idea of either guys like nobody can ever win a feud. Or if they do, it's because that feud was, like, stupidly lopsided in the first place. You know what I mean? Like, it'll go 50-50, or, like, we'll just never have anyone lose to Roman Reigns or, or, or you know, no, no one is ever going to win a feud against Roman or Braun or fucking, unless it's against each other. Like, that's Like, obviously, right, yeah. Roman and Braun can trade wins with each other, and that's fine, but because that they're at, like, here. another god tier above everyone else. Like, guys that are over... Will stay over even if they lose. Right. Oh, you can't. No you can't have them do it all the time. I'm not talking about like getting into Sami Zayn territory. Right. But like, obviously, Brock didn't lose anything by losing to Goldberg. Well, not only that, the the Rock has like one of the most losing pay per view records of all time. Yeah, because like, he was probably a heel right, for the bulk of his pay per views. And then on Monday, he'd get out there and go, "If you smell," yeah. and then he's over. Exactly. Again. So it, it takes nothing. For me, I think in this situation, uh, it seems. Very obvious to me that Samoa Joe is the guy. That in this match, I hope Samoa Joe, by any means necessary, even if, and I think this is an option, Paul Heyman turning on Brock to help Samoa Joe, which I do think is a very real option. There's a lot of rumors going around that Paul Heyman is backstage right now, much like he once did with CM Punk, and is saying, this is the guy. And look, credit to them for even changing course at all, because Mm -hmm. it seemed like we were destined for a Brock versus Roman one-on-one match. Right. At, at first, it was going to be at WrestleMania, and then it got bumped forward to SummerSlam, mm-hmm. and now maybe it'll never happen because, you know, I feel like over the last month, I had two complaints that Titus O'Neil just took from the podcast, and he I ran know. them to Vince, and he said, Sir, people find things too predictable and do not want to wait too long. I don't know why I'm doing like a Paul yeah, Heyman voice yeah. right now. Ladies and gentlemen, my <laughs> name is Titus O'Neil, and I am with Titus Worldwide. <laughs> Um, but like, a, it's too predictable for long-term things that I don't want to wait a year for when I already know that they're going to happen. And b, because you're so stuck in your plans, you're missing out on what's organically happening in front of you. So right. credit to them for actually changing their plans and putting Joe in the mix because yes. obviously he does belong there. And I do think that he is the guy who should win the title. At it seems Land. very obvious to me. Uh, here's what I think is going to happen with Brock Lesnar as it pertains to the UFC. I think you will see Brock Lesnar fight John Jones in the UFC. In fact, I think it'll, you'll see it be John Jones's next fight. But I think as a means to get Brock Lesnar out of his WWE contract, they're going to get for WrestleMania a Ronda Rousey or Conor McGregor appearance. Both. I I think they. It seems like they really want to do a four horsewomen versus four horsewomen. Thing yep. Because obviously Shayna is in the uh, May Young Classic. May Young Classic. And, you know, I don't want to spoil anything from the tournament. Just but do it. She's going to do very well in that yeah. because she's somebody that they have grand designs on. And I know exactly why they should have those grand designs because she worked a shitload here yeah, in ECCW yeah. against Nicole Matthews, a program that lasted two full years. It was awesome. And was Excellent. Yep. So she's obviously great. She is a future star of the WWE women's division. There's obviously something that's been going on with Becky Lynch and Chris Cyborg. I don't know that that's actually going to lead to anything. I don't think it is. I really it, don't. I, it seemed like it had to be at first, and then word lately is that it's not going Cyborg to. Cyborg just doesn't seem like she'd fit in with WWE to me. But, you know, you could easily do like a four-on-four match. Yep. The four women, the four horsewomen of WWE versus the four horsewomen of 
of UFC, basically. Yeah. I, I think that that's probably what you're going to see, and I think that's an exchange for Brock Lesnar. And and that's, you know, that they should just get that already, you know? Sure. They already gave them Brock once for very little benefit. Yeah, well, and like you thought, maybe even a little bit of harm coming out of it. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's... Uh, very worth noting that there seems to be a trend in the combat sports world right now, this talent trading with Mayweather McGregor and uh, Ronda showing up at the May Young Classic and this Brock and uh, Jones thing. It but obviously like UFC and Showtime are splitting the money from Mayweather and McGregor. There's no way that WWE is getting any sort of profit sharing out of a Brock Lesnar pay-per-view. They probably should. They, I would think absolutely should. But they, they, I don't think they did out of the last one. Who's more responsible for making Brock Lesnar a star? You have to think WWE. Absolutely, Vince McMahon. That's right. Yeah. So you would think that that is something of his product. Um, but then that you get back into like Vince in the 80s and early 90s trying to like claim that Hollywood owes him money for <laughs> using That's Hulk right. Hogan in their movies. <laughs> like at some point, just because you made a star doesn't mean you own them. That's... At the same time, clearly Brock is still under contract. And, and I would also argue Vince may have had a small point because Hulk Hogan wasn't acting as someone. He was being Hulk Hogan yeah, in different <laughs> movies. Always. Is this kind of a desperation move though from... Obviously, the UFC is under new management. That's IMG right. spent $4 billion yeah. uh, to get the company. And then since spending that money, has really not seen a great deal of return on no, investment. Been a this has been a, year. a big down year for them, yeah. both in terms of just you know their last generation of stars is all kind of falling away from them at the same time. Mm -hmm. They haven't really done a good job of establishing that next generation. No, not at all. And... Uh, you, this is a company that relies on pay-per-view buys to make the bulk of their money and certainly have not really done that very much this year because it's been, you know, few and far between that a pay-per-view actually seems to make waves. Is uh, this something that fans really want to see or is this just IMG getting desperate and trying to throw together the biggest thing they can? It's a great question and uh, I guess I would say that it's a little of both, not to be indecisive, but it, I can't say it's a desperation move because competitively there is something there, the weight differential, and it is something of a desperation move because they need big stars right now. Eh. Look at that right on the 15. We did 15 minutes there. Hey, look at that. I didn't know that we'd be able to. I but. Like uh it. Josh, you told me that we have a new game to play in between rounds this <laughs> we, week. We sure do, Justin. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, as you know, I'm uh, I'm in a, a band, okay? I okay. Play, I play some music. I think I've heard this from you once or twice before. Yeah, that's right. You, you maybe just I occasionally just... listen to you when, oh, when we talk. Ah, that's kind of nice. Yeah, that every is... so often I'll maybe... be like, oh, yeah, this guy's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> right, this guy While is... you're talking, I'll look, look up from my phone and be like, oh, what's happening? Oh, he's speaking to me. <laughs> His mouth's moving. <laughs> um, but I was at uh, band practice last night. Okay. And uh, I don't know if he wants his name set on the show, but my drummer was um, <laughs> he was playing pro wrestling catchphrases on the drums. And I do not mean pro wrestling entrance music. I mean catchphrases. Okay. So he pitched to me. He says, hey, why don't you record these? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you have any chance of getting these. So why don't you record these? And you can try and get Justin to guess what these are. Sort of like Sunday Night Tweet. So, like, kind of like when, like, Peter Frampton, like, makes his guitar speak. <laughs> yeah. But it's, like, 
just a drum fill. I would argue that a guitar probably works better for this exercise. You're probably than right. Do. You're probably right. So here's the game. Now, I'm, Sunday Night Tweet has never gone particularly well for me. Yeah. I don't really feel like my odds here are much better. In fact, <laughs> probably significantly worse. Am I just a mean person that I like putting you in situations that no, are No, I think impossible? it's fun. I because if I get it, then like it's a it's going to be the ultimate thrill ride. That's right. Move it's over a, WrestleMania. Yeah. No, this is. I think I'm ready to go. In general, top give me the marks. green light. <laughs> oh no! I, in general, oh yo 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 oh oh. Now I'm in a band. You can tell because of our good singing. Give me the green light. <laughs> okay, Justin. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play this. It's gonna play three times through. Now keep in mind, this is a wrestler. Something a wrestler would say very often. Okay. okay so it's a classic catchphrase. I would say it's a classic catchphrase. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's gonna play three times through. We can listen to it again after if you need another listen. And the listeners, if they want to play along, gosh, if any of you get this. this Listening, please let us this know. Is the stupidest game I've ever heard. All right. I'm excited. I can't wait. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> that that's it. <laughs> this is this is famous catchphrases <laughs> on the drums. I didn't even bother Jesus. to think of a name for this. Jesus. Okay, here. here play, play it again. Here we go. <laughs> okay, I kind of heard it on that one. I think I I think I might have it. Are you, okay, let's, let's Can play I try it. and say it along? I'll play it one oh more time. Oh my god, if you get this. I'm going to try and see. Okay, I'll stay quiet. If you smell, oh my god, what the rock is cooking. Justin, I'm speechless. <laughs> it is if you smell what the rock is cooking. How did you? It's the fact that there's the last, it's in that third set of tr- of like three okay. uh, drum, drum hits. There's like, it goes up again. So, uh, so for like the is, and then back down again for oh the cook. Oh my god! Without I, that, like little flick upward and then back down, I, I had no chance. Okay, so this worked better than I was expecting. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is maybe you you went one for one. That's better than you've ever done at Sunday Night Tweet. That's true. This is a very stupid game. Maybe we'll play it again next week. I hope so. We'll see what the people say if they like it. We'll find out. And with that, let's go to round number two. Round two. Fight. Here comes Josh C. Here comes Josh C. Joshy, 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 Joshy. Do you know whose uh, theme that was? Uh, that was Shane McMahon. Incorrect. That was mine. Oh, okay. Uh, but yes, that is uh, a take on Shane McMahon's theme. Vince McMahon's son, a guy known for uh, death-defying stunts, a guy who, uh, would you say that he's polarizing Shane McMahon? Yeah. I think there's a certain uh, sect of fans, like I said earlier, who really love seeing him, whether it's from... Uh, a pure stunt perspective, because you know he's always good for one of those, right? Or just the nostalgia of having so much uh, goodwill tied into like the Attitude Era, basically, that mm-hmm. still is attached to him. Totally. Uh, whatever it is, like I, I love Shane. Okay, so like, you are a, a yeah. Shane fan. The buddy can fucking walk away from a helicopter crash like it's <laughs> that nothing. Is amazing. He totally knows that. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I hate that we fully agree on this, but I, I am a, I'll go so far as to say a pretty big Shane McMahon fan. Not because I think he's 
a world-class promo or that he's, you know, any sort of titan in ring. Obviously, he has his limitations. No question. But but when I'm watching wrestling, I'm looking to be entertained. And dollar for dollar, pound for pound, Shane McMahon is entertaining. And you could argue he had the match of the card at WrestleMania this year, too. I, I would argue that. Now, I will also say... That, the, like, if people want to say, like, oh, the positions that he gets put into, like, he's he's used too prominently. And you look at, like, his previous matches since he's returned. Sure. There certainly is no way to argue that that is not correct. Well, no, he had a Hell in a Cell match against The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Yeah. He had, uh, he was part of Team SmackDown. He was essentially named as one of the top five stars on SmackDown Live at Survivor Series, That's which true. is also ridiculous. That is absolutely And then ridiculous. he wrestled AJ Styles at WrestleMania, probably the most talented wrestler on the planet, maybe one of the most talented wrestlers of all time. Well, I think unquestionably one of the most As an in-ring technician, I think there's a true argument for him to be number one. But, but let me say two things about that AJ Styles match. One, there wasn't that much else that was obvious for AJ at the time. And in terms of positioning on the card, I did think that that got AJ... A, a good spot on it. But secondly, people go, you know, oh, AJ, he, he can get a great match out of anybody, no problem. The AJ and Shane match at Mania was better than the AJ and Chris Jericho match from the Mania before. That is true. Undeniably. So I think you have to give Shane McMahon some credit for whatever he's doing. Absolutely. And, and there's no big stunt in there. He does the coast-to-coast. Yeah. Coast, Obviously, AJ did the you know lion's share of the work in the that heavy match. lifting. Absolutely. Uh, and and he can probably have a good match with just about anyone. Of course. But he uh, has had bad matches. Yeah. Um, you know, the Baron one, Corbin and was, Jinder Mahal. Yeah. I think the he's gotten some good matches out of Baron Corbin yep. as well. But they've they've fought each other a lot, a lot over the last couple months, and not all of them have been good, obviously. So I, I don't I don't want to write off Shane as like this useless in ring competitor, which is something I hear. He's like, oh, he's just a stunt man. He just does the jumps. I, I think, think in terms of like overall wrestling, the best match at WrestleMania this year was the cruiserweight match That's that wasn't true. even on the main card. Yeah, Aries and but if you're going to look at the, just the main card alone, obviously that tag match was amazing, and obviously there's a huge nostalgia pop to the Hardys coming back as Absolutely. a surprise too. But pure wrestling, yeah, I did think that AJ and Shane was the best. Now, I also think that it is ridiculous when people get really fucking mad <laughs> that Shane is going to be wrestling another match again. Because, like, look... The, the wheels have been in motion for Shane versus Kevin Owens for a couple weeks now. Feels like a while, There was yeah. really no reason for Shane to be on the show last week other than to set up this feud. Because True. that was a show that also had Daniel Bryan on it. Shane had just been in a helicopter crash. Mm -hmm. He did not need to be at TV on a show that often doesn't have either of its authority figures of Very television, often. never mind both of them on the same show. Yep. The only reason that he was there was so that Kevin Owens could yell at him. So, you know, if you're a fan who pays attention, you should know that this is where we've been going for a little while now. And knowing that has gotten a lot of people very worked up. Which is weird to me. Me too. Because I understand that if you want to say, like, Shane McMahon should not be fighting AJ Styles at WrestleMania, AJ Styles deserves better, this is ridiculous. I understand if you want to have that opinion during the build-up to the match. That's completely understandable. But four months later, when we both agree that it was the best match on the show, yeah. you cannot still beat that same drum about 
can you believe he's wrestling? This is fucking outrageous. Yeah, I can believe it. The guy's actually pretty good. Like, he wrestles. He and... knows his limitations. Obviously, the matches are built around that, but there are certain talents that he can work with that can obviously work within those limitations. The Undertaker, at his age, is not one of them. No. Kevin Owens, though, probably is. Yeah, so let, let's talk about this before we get to the... Because I do think they're still going to go to him and Kevin Owens. I mean, but... after, after SummerSlam last year, it seemed like they were teasing a build towards Brock and Shane. Oh shit, I forgot about and that. And that is probably something that would have been good too because Shane act- is fully willing to just let himself be ragdolled by someone who can destroy him. Did Brock F5 Shane? He did. He came out to like, Shane, save Randy, Shane came right? out to protect Randy right. and Brock f 5 Yeah, that's right. I'd sort of forgotten about that. That went nowhere. Um, but let's, let's talk about him as a referee in this upcoming US title match. So we have, I think, uh, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens, number 300, <laughs> and Shane McMahon is going to be the referee in it. When you hear just that, just in a vacuum, how do you get excited? Uh, I mean, sort of, because I do think that the last two matches between AJ and, and Owens have been the best of their series thus far. The SmackDown match and, and the, the SmackDown match. Yeah, also like the triple threat with Jericho sure. and the one that they had this week. Right. Uh, you know, obviously the first one was really good, but mm-hmm. it was marred by a non-finish with AJ getting tied up inside the table. Yeah, big uh, dummy. The battleground one was really bad, but actually it seemed like the the match on Raw this week had the finish that maybe the pay-per-view was supposed to. And I said that to you yeah. while we were watching it. Yeah, I, I hadn't put two and two together, but I think you're 100% because, right Because, like, that. a ref bump that ends with the ref being confused and the ref's confusion playing a big part in the finish makes sense in a way that, like, <laughs> whatever the fuck they were trying to do at Battleground made no made sense no at sense. all. Um, and also furthers Owens being pissed about officiating. Okay, so, so, so you've you've got to help me get excited for this, because i got to tell you, I, I felt, ugh, was my feeling when I saw that AJ and Owens were still going to be feuding. Well, it does feel like we're stalled out a little bit. Well, and inserting Shane into it just feels like it's going to be a setup for, a, or for rather, for uh, Kevin Owens and Shane going forward. Now, but I could be wrong. Here's another way that this can go, okay. and I honestly think that it might, because as much as we've been teased with Shane versus KO coming out of this, or even we thought it might be the SummerSlam match, honestly. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be anyways. Uh, and that AJ would defend the title against, like, Cena or Nakamura. Like, I honestly was thinking they would be Cena and Jinder and Nakamura and AJ. I, I, think, I, I think I felt the same. Uh, and I'd probably be more excited for that overall, honestly. I, I'm actually, when we talk about this more next round, I'm weirdly into Nakamura gender. Okay, well, we'll save that for the next round. Yeah. I will tell you, though, that something that hit me last night, just looking uh, on Twitter at the hashtag SDLive. Okay. Because I was just looking at trending topics. I like that. And in Vancouver, it said that one of, like, the number two trend in Vancouver specifically, okay. was SD Live. This and then I had like four friends who were tweeting about it. So I was like, okay, I'll click on that. Was I one of them? Uh, maybe. I don't think so. No. Regardless, I was just scrolling through some tweets and I saw some reactions to the announcement that Shane would be the guest referee. Yeah. And it was people posting photos of him because obviously Shane being a special guest referee back in the day was a pretty common thing. It was yeah. not that, He left a lot. It was not uncommon at all, in fact, because like if he was gonna be in a match, 
he'd either be taking a huge stunt or he'd be officiating a match that had some member of the corporation <laughs> or his dad like being one of the competitors. Those are those are two things on like such the opposite end of the spectrum. It's like you're either going to jump off of this Titan Tron yeah. or enforce the rules. Yeah. Or you're going to be the uh, official in a match between <laughs> Mick Foley and Briscoe and Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Great something match. something like that. Uh, and Shane is gonna, you know, be a heel ref. Right. And it occurred to me that basically every time he's been a referee before, he's been a heel. Oh shit, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Because like seeing photos of him in a officials, like he he has like the black hair, slick yeah. back, like he just looks greasy. Uh, he's he's a slime ball. Well, and he's the rich yeah. guy's son. It's an easy. And sign now, obviously, Shane is a lot more handsome and and manly as he's gotten older. He looks like a dad. Yeah, yeah. but he's a good looking guy. Uh, he's not so greasy like he was back in the day. Listen, he was a pretty good looking kid. Uh, I guess. So. I'm not saying yeah. I fuck him, but... but I just mean like the silver hair works well for no him. No question. And you should yeah. take that as a compliment. Yeah, because you got some silver hairs yourself. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh but. Oh. I was thinking, like, what are the chances here that we come out of this match with Kevin Owens as the U.S. champion again because we get a heel turn from Shane McMahon as the official? uh, Oh. Because, like, isn't that more interesting than Shane McMahon just, like, counting a clean pin? Or, like, Shane fucking up somehow and, and Owens still being mad at him? Like, Owens is already mad at him. I think, like, how often do we see matches that have guest referees wherein at the end of the match for the finish, the referee does not change alignment in some way? Well, okay, so here's my instant reaction to you saying that. Okay. First of all, I'm interested to see if it happens now, which I'm thankful for because it gets me more into the match. I hadn't even considered this. However, my fear for it is that the a heel authority figure on SmackDown is not something I'm that interested exactly. in. Exactly, and a heel McMahon authority figure. That's right. Feels very played out, just because Stephanie has like poisoned the well. On that's that. right. So, so for that moment, it's very exciting. And yeah. I, I don't know how likely I think it is, but you are right that just him going in there and doing a one, two, three, and calling it down the middle makes very little sense for why Shane McMahon would be guest referee in a match. Yeah. Um. But because it's not like Owens is not already pissed at him specifically. Oh no, the motivation's all he already there. He called him the stupidest person. <laughs> yeah, he's the he's the worst one here. Yeah. I think he said, which is <laughs> like an underratedly funny line. <laughs> he's the worst one here. Um, um, I hadn't considered that. I, I'm going to say that it. It, sh- but I think it would be very interesting if Shane McMahon himself, as the heel authority figure, is not the focus so much as you elevate Kevin Owens to be this all-powerful heel with the authority to book whatever match So it becomes wants. an authority angle where Owens is the chosen son, sort of a la Seth Rollins a couple of years Exactly, back. but but without making him a weakling deferring to okay. someone stronger. So, he's not so you invert the power uh, dynamic there where basically Owens is the shot caller and Shane is deferring to him. See, the idea of Owens just being some cannonball bruiser going through who is immune from punishment because he's got Shane in the pocket and is I, interesting. And I think if you elevate Kevin Owens as a heel in terms of the overall power dynamic of the show above Daniel Bryan and then pit them against each other, even just as characters, not obviously you can't do anything in the ring with Daniel at this point, 
I still think that's a really interesting dynamic that could very much yeah. freshen up this show. Yeah, I, I can't say that I disagree. And and like again, him being there. Yeah, him and Brian going back and forth. There's a lot. It makes to like. Kevin Owens the main character more so than Shane. And I think that would not be a bad thing for yeah. SmackDown as a show in general. You you may well be right about that. That's a hundred percent something to it, watch. It's more likely though that we're just gonna get some sort of like bump on Shane and Shane will do what the ref did that like you know there's going to be some sort of screw up that Owens is just mad at and then they have a match afterwards because that's my best guess I don't is there a way where and here's the thing that I think it might happen is because as much as like AJ turned face by saying that he respects Shane after their match there's a way to do a double turn out of that where Shane should still have hard feelings. Guy okay. got fucking thrown through the window of a car, got glass in his eyes. Like oh, there's yes. a there's a lot of like in storyline motivation for Shane to want to screw AJ Styles. That's hundred percent true. I, I more you know what but, you just talked me into the match. But I'm more it, curious. But to this has goes, Shane been gone for so long that even though he's been back for close to a year and a half, it's still too soon to turn him heel. I don't think so. Now, again, I am not in favor of a McMahon heel authority figure on SmackDown. I don't think that that does a lot of interest for me. Now, I could be wrong. They could do it in a good way. There, there may be some likes there. But I don't think it's too soon to turn Shane heel because I I think there is, I feel a growing sentiment of people saying, and even in our friend group, people saying, Shane, I keep shoehorning himself into these big spots. You know, he's only doing it because he's the chosen son, you know. And and so I think there could be a, a segment to the, the fan base that is, would be ready to embrace him as a heel and boo him. And it wouldn't take much. Him coming out and reminding people, ha ha, I'm rich and jacked and look at my wife and you're fat losers. Like, he doesn't have to go far. At the end of the day, he is a rich son, which is something that people don't like. And it would also add like a different kind of heel to SmackDown, where we seem to be loading up on foreigners at the moment. Yeah, Shade is from America, which I guess means he has to be babyface But just like being a rich guy, like at least is like a differentiating heel characteristic that we haven't leaned into on that show. Could we maybe put like a turban on Shane? Would that <laughs> maybe... Let's do it. <laughs> And that is 15 minutes right there. A good 15 minutes, yeah, we're though. I'm surprised we got Look at us. so much out of Shane McMahon. Uh, Justin, you know what time it is. I do know what time it is. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. It's the people segment. They love it. It is Sunday Night Tweet. Oh, and now, Josh, do you want to explain what we do here every week during this segment, or do you want me to? You know what? You scour the internet Tell every em. single week. Hit them. And you will find... Well, I don't want to say the best tweets, but certainly tweets (laughs) that were written by WWE employees. Mostly people on the active roster. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we've had any from, like, a behind-the-scenes figure who's not an actual wrestler. No. So far, they're all WWE active wrestlers from uh, NXT, SmackDown, or Raw. So that leaves about, you know, 120 people or so. Maybe close to 150. Yeah. Who this could possibly be. writing these tweets, and I am expected to pluck a needle from the haystack and guess who they are. Now, having guessed a drum fill was The Rock earlier, I feel, I feel pretty good about my guessing ability. I feel pretty good about it, too, so, so let's get started here with tweet number one. All right. So tweet number one has, uh, I'll let you know it has a sad face at the end of it, okay? Okay. And what uh, precedes the sad face are the words, my wife said, no nipple piercing. My wife? 
said no nipple piercing. Sad face. Sad face. So someone who's sad that their their wife has declined their, I guess, request to get their nipple pierced. It's a man. He is married. He is not a bachelor. Uh, you know what? We've gone towards Lana online quite a bit. I'm going to say she's the wife. She said no, and it is Rusev. That is some great deduction. It is not uh. Rusev. I thought this would be a no-brainer because it's your guy. It's Kevin Owens. Oh, what? <laughs> Kevin Owens. His wife said no to a nipple piercing. That's too bad. So, uh, sorry about it, Kev. I uh, missed that one. There's always next year. I do follow his tweets. He had a great one about John Cena being a Transformer. I saw that. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Tweet number two. I'm just going to read this one verbatim. Okay. Uh, so, it's the emojis for two and four. Okay. So, 24. Yeah. And then it says... Comma Dune, comma Dune, and then the high five emoji. Comma Dune, comma Dune. And then a picture of the tweeter in question holding uh, balloons that say 24. So it's this tweeter's 24th birthday. Comma Dune, comma Dune. They just turned 24. <laughs> I, that's right. Which means I, I would think so. They're extremely young. Yes. Uh, they're younger than me. All right, I think this is where perennial favorite Noam Dar <laughs> slots into the conversation because he seems like one of the younger guys on the roster. The Scottish supernova, is it Noam Dar? Come a dude, come a dude, it is Noam Dar. Hell yeah. <laughs> Would recognize that tweet style anywhere. So what, what does comma dude mean? Comma dude, comma dude. We'll I don't never know. No I love the Scottish Supernova. Yeah, he's got a baby face run in him yet. There's no question. It, on the show, I feel like he's only had a baby face run. <laughs> Are you ready for tweet number three? I was born ready. I'm one for two so far. Yeah, you're fifty percent. That's pretty good. That's better than you usually. Yeah, do. I was thinking that would be Shinsuke Nakamura at first, and then when it was his twenty fourth birthday, that ruled him right out. He's old as shit. <laughs> Here's what the third tweet says. I really like this one. Okay, okay there's okay. only three words here. Okay. Spellbound by Kefen. Spellbound by Kefen. So they're trying to spell caffeine, I think. Caffeine. But they, they're, so they're spellbound by Kefen. By Kefen. Uh, I'm going to go back to someone who we've talked about at least putting the effort in, but not being a great tweeter in the past. Oh. And that is the monster among men, Braun Strowman. <laughs> Usually, I think they're pretty good guesses. <laughs> I don't know that Braun would be spellbound. <laughs> the man who is spellbound. He was spellbound by Bray Wyatt for a time. That's a great point. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it is not the monster among men. Oh. It's your dude, Alistair Black. Oh, come on. Spell- You're picking my favorites here and then using them against me. Spellbound by Kefan. Oh, well, he can't speak and he can't write either. We've all but been there. He sure can wrestle. Okay, so uh, this this uh, second last tweet, I believe they call that the penultimate tweet, is penultimate. Uh, thank you uh, a response to Carmela's tweet. So Carmela posts okay. a picture of her and Natty, and it says, "We have a love hate relationship, right, Nat? By nature, so at Natty, it's a picture of them looking like friends." The tweeter in question retweets this photo and just says, "Ew, ew, <laughs> ew." Uh, I'm gonna go with Becky Lynch. It is not Becky Lynch because you didn't feel enough of the glow. Uh, it is Trinity Fatu, uh, aka Naomi. Naomi. 
who is disgusted by the looks of Carmella. I just thought, speaking of disgusted, yeah. I was thinking, disgusting. <laughs> You're disgusting. You're disgusted. I thought it would be Becky. It's <sighs> close, though. I think, yeah, you were yeah. in the right show. They right tagged division. together this week, yeah, so you I got, just had the wrong partner. You had the wrong partner. We could edit this to make it sound like you said Naomi. No, it's fine. Okay. People can know the truth. Oh, well. I already guessed the drum fills. Yeah, listen, that is the truth. <laughs> Here's the final tweet. <laughs> this one's good. Okay. So the tweeter question says, at WWE Graves, that's Corey Graves, yeah. wouldn't know good music if it smacked him in the face and left him with another stupid tattoo. <laughs> Do you want me to read that again? Uh, no, because I think I know who it is. Oh, okay. I'm going to say, uh, you know, we, we all want to walk with him, but on this app, you can tweet with him too. Is it Elias? Are we, Justin, are we tweeting with the drifter? Justin, we are tweeting with Elias. Yes. <laughs> you nailed it. Now, this was a weird tweet to me because Corey Graves, despite being the heel commentator, likes Elias Sampson on the show. He's constantly talking about how much he likes Elias Sampson. Oh, really? Yeah. I couldn't remember. Oh, wait, I know or is it backwards? Or does th- he hate Elias? I think it might be that he hates him, even okay. though he's the heel. Because there are definitely certain... Uh, performers for whom they switch the dynamic. Yeah, and Cole is the heel, and Corey is the babyface. Yeah, I think I'm mistaken. Elias here. might be one of them because I feel like Corey hated Elias back in NXT. In NXT, I think and you're right, and I'm wrong. Over. Well, what'd you go there? Three for five? Uh, two for five. That's pretty good. But you had that drum fill. I feel like that should count for an extra five. I think I went eight for five. Uh, you're better at math than me. I think uh, <laughs> that sounds about right to me. Somewhere around 80%. Well, a successful endeavor. And with that. In Sunday Night Tweet this week. And we will go from there into round number three. Round three. Fight. <laughs> Justin, I feel like I uh, I know quite a bit about you, right? I, you know, we're good friends, as we, we talk about. Sure. But I don't know if you play the violin or not. I don't think I do. Okay. No. Uh, I don't. I, My little brother did for a time. You don't think you do. I mean, <laughs> there's some. Mis- I'm a mysterious man. There's <laughs> mysteries about me that are locked even to me. Like that you don't yeah. know. Like I'm you like Jason a- Bourne. Right. Yeah. So we have to give you a violin. Exactly. And you may know exactly. how to play. Well, if you did get a violin, would you play Nakamura's Entrance? Theme? Like, I don't think I could podcast until somebody just put these headsets on. And now look at you. Too. People, There's a lot yeah. of people saying this is the best podcast. Yeah, your parents, I think. Yeah, my parents. <laughs> also me. So that's... What do you think? Oh, also, the other podcast called Top Marks. Oh, no. I feel like they've... Unfortunately, my yeah. parents prefer them to us. Oh, now really? That, yeah, unfortunately. Oh, I think mom. they prefer us to them. So <laughs> no, They've accepted right. that they're trash in comparison. I, th- this isn't even the best podcast that you are the host of. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but anyway, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Okay. Uh, I, take, I take some real shit in my personal life for... Uh, okay. So I like Shinsuke Nakamura, but pre-WWE, I, I'm not going to pretend like I was some sort of diehard who saw every single Nakamura match. But I've seen all the big ones, the Ibushi, the Triple Threat, the AJ Styles match, all the ones that are you know people point to and say, wow, my God, this is, this is a real guy. And I will never take from him how much physical charisma he has. His entrance song's amazing. The, the way he moves. It, there's a lot to like about Shinsuke Nakamura. And a lot of people do like him. People love him. I don't love him, Justin Morris said, and I argue that his... NXT and main roster run have been disappointing. Only call them lackluster. Um, what What are your initial feelings before we go a little deeper on Shinsuke Nakamura's WWE run? Uh, on the main roster, count NXT as well. Uh, okay, 
I, I think overall it's largely been successful just for how exciting he feels. Mm-hmm. And now he's lost some of that recently, a I little will bit. admit. But I think placing him on the top tier in a title program against a guy that he might not really have great chemistry with, like the match itself might not do him any favors, but the fact that they're pushing him like that at all I think indicates that they still see this guy as a top star, yeah. which they should because fans treat him as one also. And, and that goes beyond fans like us, fans who would have seen him in Japan. I think there is something so innately likable about him uh, from his like physical charisma, not just in the ring, but backstage as well. Yeah. He, he's not a guy who has to speak very much to get a reaction as a character, not just as a wrestler. Genuine magnetism. He does come across as a star, and I think WWE needs to be given some credit that they have put him in a place on the card that tells you he's important. Now, like I used to watch every week with my uh, now ex-girlfriend, oh. and I would gauge her reactions to yeah. most things I love these. as like basically how the average... Sure. Like casual fan would respond to things I think because she was fair. not super in the know. She was somebody who used to watch wrestling back in the Attitude Era, but got back into it through dating me. Right. So I would measure her reactions as being, you know, the the average fan. I think that's because a very she good. quite often would like cheer for baby faces and hate heels. I love that. And so our favorites were often flipped because oh, I love heels, right. obviously, because I'm a scumbag. Yeah. See, look at you, Mark. Um, uh, but. <laughs> Like, she loved Nakamura right okay. from the first moment she saw him. And I, like, it was a difficult thing to get her to watch any NXT beyond, like, the Raw that we watched every week or whatever, you know? Right. Like, that's a, that's a tough ask. That's already. But, but if she, like, had a Saturday night that there was nothing else going on and I was watching TakeOver, she would watch it also. Mm-hmm. And she fucking loved Shinsuke Nakamura. Reliably. So, hey. Yes. And never, like, was... Like, was so just, like, heartbroken that he did not debut at number 30 in the Royal Rumble. Uh. Like, was just furious <laughs> that Roman Reigns came out at 30. Uh, who would dislike that? Uh, everyone. Aww. But regardless, uh, like, I do think that he's over with average fans in a huge way. And you can see it just in the way that they sing... His music. How because much of that, that is, is not, the entrance? That is not just NXT people who are no. like singing along with that. That entrance, that song is hugely over. And like, obviously, the entrance is a big part of it, but I think there is something to his ring work as well. I understand being disappointed that it's not at the level of what you'd come to expect in Japan. I don't think he's been bad, though. I don't think any of the matches he's had have been bad. I understand if you would say that they're disappointing, that they're not at the level of what he can deliver. I think that is a fair criticism. Okay. But I also think that that's a little bit like, you know, not to refer everything to local sports, Mm -hmm. but like... The first season that Roberto Luongo played for the Vancouver Canucks, Who's he, that? he was the best goalie on the planet. Right. Bar none, easily, yeah. ridiculous, yeah. like so incredibly good. He really was. And because he was like that in year one, it set a ridiculous standard that he could not live up to season to season. Tim Thomas with the... Um, and so people yeah. would criticize him for things that you would never criticize another goaltender for because you don't expect a goalie to be at the god tier. 
But when someone has demonstrated that ability, even for just a brief run, that is what they are judged against. And I do think that Nakamura is suffering from that in terms of the way that people who are more heavy into the indies and sort of that sort of thing judge him. I will say, though, even as someone who is a diehard fan, but just a diehard for WWE, like I do not watch New Japan, really. I sometimes watch Ring of Honor or TNA. I think if you're over here, I have stuff on. Yeah, um... But, like, even as someone who's just diehard WWE, I've liked most of his matches. Uh, on In NXT, I was a huge fan of the match that he had with Samoa Joe. The second one, the Toronto In Toronto, one? Yeah, where yeah, yeah. Joe got busted open. It was super bloody. I thought that match was rad. I'm yeah. a huge fan of that match. I thought it was actually Joe's best match in NXT also. You oh. might disagree with that. Uh, but regardless. I like the Corbin match a lot, believe it or not. In his main event run, I think we've seen a trend over the last, or not main event run, his main roster run. We've seen a trend over the last couple months here where WWE has sort of shifted away from trying to build pay-per-views, like having TV surf pay-per-view, and kind of flipped that, particularly on SmackDown, where lately it seems like pay-per-view serves television a lot more of a fluid relationship between those two. and that like you can chart that in the main roster booking of shinsuke nakamura because for his first month they did not have him wrestle on television at all yeah. his first match on the main roster was going to be an event and they were going to make it into a big deal the fact that it opened up that With show Dolph was ultimately a huge mistake oh. that should have been like second to last or, or third to last show. or main event. Yeah. And ultimately those guys are capable of having a match that was better than what they did at that pay-per-view because they did it on SmackDown like three weeks later. Well, they also should have paired him with a good wrestler. I think Dolph is a good worker, and you cannot dispute, you agree with me, nobody sells the Kinshasa or takes the impact of the Kinshasa on the main roster better than Dolph's. Literally nobody. Indisputable. So... If you want to build this guy up and show the impact of his moveset, that it actually is a really good first opponent. Okay. The lot. problem is with that first match is that Dolph dominated the offense for about 60 to 70% of the yeah, match. Yeah, you didn't see any Shinsuke getting anything in. Ultimately, you did, and it was enough to defeat Dolph, but they were capable of having a better match, and they did on television. It's the same thing that happened in this most recent Baron Corbin feud. Now, I think very smart of them to put heel heat on Baron Corbin by having him attack the thing that people love the most. And that is not just Shinsuke Nakamura, but specifically his entrance. The entrance. Uh, unfortunately, I thought that was great. it built to a pay-per-view match that was extremely disappointing. Oh, Christ. But again, they had a rematch on TV because that ended in a low blow. Again, pay-per-view setting up television and television being better because the match that they had on TV was significantly better again than their TV match. He's had two really good matches on the main roster. They've both been on TV. And this week, a third really good match, again, on television, this time against a top-tier opponent in John Cena. A lot to unpack there. I want to say a couple things in response to what you said earlier. Expectation, of course, is something with Shinsuke Nakamura, that people had expectations set in a certain level, and that maybe is unfair to him. You know, a band has a breakthrough album, and the sophomore isn't as good, so people think it's shitty. Yeah. I completely get that. However, on the flip side of the coin, as one of his detractors, I do also see another EX word used a lot, and that's excuses. People saying, 
oh well he's got he's got to adapt to the WWE style. The, this doesn't make any sense. There's too many guys who have come over and been able to adapt quicker to their guys mm-hmm. and put on good matches quickly. There's people like, well, you know, he, he's not. He's not AJ getting has the, certainly had no problem working great matches with it, Shane McMahon. Day one, yeah. There's a, a great example, and there's numerous others. There's also the fact that he. He, he seems to be calling it in a little bit. I don't know that this is deniable at any point. Yeah, He's... and honestly, I thought this was an unpopular opinion when you first started sharing it with me, but since then I've seen it pop up in multiple places. I'm a real trendsetter. Yeah, you are not alone in feeling this way. <laughs> so it's it's a thing where you want to love someone and you start to, to build excuses, but as somebody who doesn't feel that emotionally attached to him, looking at it objectively, he's been one of the worst ca- matches on most cards he's been on. I, I don't think that's all the speed. Or maybe in the middle of the pack. He, the only match that he was the best, or the only card that he was the best match on was that takeover with Zayn. Yeah, or, uh, like, I do think that the main event of Money in the Bank, the men's Money in the Bank match, was oh, okay. the best match on that card. I should say singles match. Ultimately... I think we both agree that Kevin Owens did the bulk of the heavy lifting oh. in terms of like actual work <laughs> rate in that match. Yeah. But in terms of a pure moment, I don't think anything was better than Shinsuke AJ. and AJ yeah. teasing some sort of showdown. That's definitely true. And I heard from a sh- shoot interview with AJ that came out like two weeks ago that that was actually not planned. That was not like a scripted Ooh, thing nice. where the producers were like, hey, we really need to set up this thing yeah, for later. They stare at each other. They were just like... Like, we know that ultimately this is where this should go. So if we just show them that it will get a huge reaction, we'll have all the incentive we need to be able to go to them and be like, look, we want to do this, and I think it'll be huge. We've already shown you that people are way into it, and I am way into it, and it was fucking awesome. (laughs) That was the best moment, there's no question. But they did not go there for SummerSlam. They went to him and Jinder Mahal, and I'm going to tell you why I'm actually weirdly into this pairing. Okay. Because it's going to force Jinder out of his shell a little bit. The the Jinder character right now is saying, "Uh, xenophobia, you cheer him because he, you cheer him because he looks like, yeah, he's an American, I, I look different. He can't use any of that against Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke is a foreigner, but yeah. he's not a foreign heel. He's you were a... speaking of excuses there. The the pairing against Nakamura seems to remove all of genders from, K- from kayfabe. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yes. He will be faced sort of with his own realities that maybe he is a bad person, and that is why people don't like him. Not because he's a foreigner, but because he cheats and is yeah. a scumbag. He's a heel. Yeah. Where Shinsuke Nakamura, while foreign, is beloved. I think that that will create an interesting dynamic if they run with it, if they allow gender to sort of do that self-reflection. Okay, yeah, no, I, and I also think it's good, even though I was firmly in the camp that the matches he was having with Randy Orton were all good. Yeah, they were solid. Like, even the complaint about the match in the Punjabi prison... Who complained is, about that? It's what not that the match was shitty, it's that we couldn't see it, you yeah, know? That's... Like, the complaint was sight lines within this stupid structure. And the grappling Not, not the that they, like, had an awful match together and can't work together. No, I... I think, you know, I, it didn't continue, but for two pay-per-views in a row there, from, like, Backlash into uh, uh, Money in the Bank, that he had consecutively... Yeah. 
his two best WWE matches of weird, all time. Which is weird, because Orton doesn't really get great matches out of guys. But I think there's reason to think Nakamura and Jinder will at least be hard-hitting and interesting. How but, Nakamura but, deals with the Singh brothers will be interesting. And Orton is a guy who is, like, I think very much rooted in the WWE style. Of course, Whereas yeah. Nakamura is basically the exact opposite Yeah, of very that. rooted in the strong style. Yes, or just, you know, like, it's a different kind of match. And it'll be interesting to see if Jinder is able to work on that level, because like we said, he had a match with AJ Styles a couple months ago that did not go very well for him. Uh, And obviously this is a big gamble uh, that they're taking here because there is a possibility that these two do not work well together at all. Do you think they put the belt on Nakamura there? I actually think that they do because I think Nakamura is going to win the title and then Corbin is going to cash in on him immediately. See, I've always been of the, the thought that Corbin's going to end up cashing in on Sami Zayn, but you may well be I right. I think Sami Zayn might be the one to take it off of Corbin eventually. Oh, hell, I hope you're right. I hope so, too, because Let's there's go. nothing that I want to see more than a Sami Zayn world title run. But uh, I think that the reason that they did this James Ellsworth suspension is to give themselves like a one-month window to take kind of the women's money in the bank character oh, off okay. the table. Right. And and use that month to get rid of Corbin's briefcase so that when Ellsworth comes back and you reunite him with Carmella, they do not feel like a repeat gimmick on a show that already has someone with that briefcase. As usual, Justin, you're bringing the hot points. I think that's really a great point that they're sort of putting it out of your memory for now. It's not going to seem like a retread. Once again, Justin Morissette, you're giving the people the hot takes. You're enlightening I, I got me. The, I got the great booking over here. They say you're the host with Fucking the most. Throw me the book. Throw Vince. him the book. Uh, <laughs> and in the final three seconds, is Nakamura the best entrance in WWE? Absolutely, yes. That's 15. Right. Or did I just think you were wrong about that? <laughs> you want to answer some questions? Yeah, Justin? let's do it. We got some. We got some email questions this week, too, didn't we? We got one. Okay. I'm always surprised when anyone emails us because nobody ever emails Real Good Show. Is that right? Like, we used to get emails, like, years ago, but uh, in the words of Stained, it's been a while. It's been a while. In in the defense, and Jeremy, we appreciate it, but it's always, it's only one person emails us. it's just Jeremy. It's just, there's one guy. So do you want to start there? Uh, Sure. Alrighty. So give me two seconds to pull it up here. I like this one. If you were to bring back one retired wrestler and have an illegitimate child angle with anyone on the roster, who would it be? So a, a Kurt Angle, Jason Jordan situation with a different retired wrestler and a different active roster participant. Can you? anybody come to mind? I have an answer for this if you want me to go first. Uh, somebody did kind of jump out at me when we were sort of kicking around this question earlier. Yeah. And I'm going to just go with it. Even It's not the best answer by any means. But it is something that I think would deepen their characters in a way that Kurt and Jason Jordan is not. Okay. I Before I answer this, yeah. I just want to take this opportunity to say that the Jason Jordan Miss TV segment on Raw this week was terrible. Hey. And that Jason Jordan himself is terrible. Jason Jordan isn't terrible, but God, he's, is he mediocre. He's just a loaf of bread, that guy. <laughs> There's nothing there. Plain as can be. No like some of a loaf of bread is a great no, insult. No sauce. Just fucking white-ass bread. He is awful. So who is your answer? He has no charisma. And like, they, I don't think he's they, awful. They, no, I really... It is ridiculous to look at what Chad Gable is doing yeah. on SmackDown right now well, sure. and say that Jason Jordan is the guy who should get the push. There's no doubt about Jason that. Jason Janetti, more like. Oh. 
fucking kick him through the barbershop window. Toma, you dumb. really feel young, j He sucks ass. Madman Morris had yeah. fired out of a cannon. And like Chad Gable is having awesome singles matches. That Rusev match this week was so good. Match of the week, best match and on like, any show. Anytime you put him on microphone, he's great. Yep. Like he carried the bulk of American Alpha. I wish they had done a round on their this. Their whole story <laughs> in NXT was that Jason Jordan was like this no-nonsense guy who didn't want to team with Chad Gable because Gable was too goofy and had this wild personality. Well, I don't think that was the reason. I think the reason was that he was a bastard. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> regardless. They even are making Gable do the ankle lock. Gable is the real son What's of your Gable. answer, Justin? My, my answer, the first thing that jumped out at me, I was trying to think of uh, – uh, an old like alumni who could come back and potentially work an on-screen character, mm-hmm. and I am gonna go uh, with a woman this oh, time. Okay, because I don't think we have ever really hardly any on-screen female characters who are not wrestlers outside of Stephanie McMahon and Vicky Guerrero. Yeah, and Lana, but yeah. Lana, I guess, but they she's now a wrestler. Lol. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lana online. Um, and I I'm going to say, and honestly, like I don't even know that much about this person because the bulk of her run came before I was a fan. And then she also was big in WCW, which I never watched. Oh, I'm interested in this. So I am going to say Alundra Blaze. Oh, what? Uh, Okay. Medusa is going to come back. Can I guess? And she is, sure. It has to be Alexa Bliss. It is Alexa Bliss. That is a great pairing. And they have the same initials. Uh, <laughs> That's good. It's even A L B L too. It goes beyond just A B. Oh, I think this is really uh, good. And they're both blonde. And they I can th- be bitchy. Like, honestly, I. My impression of Medusa back in the day is that she was a heel. I don't know if that's correct uh, for, for WCW, yes. She was a pretty big babyface for early WWE. I, I think she did have a heel run there, too, though. Now, I've never heard her cut a promo before, but I was excited to learn that she got added to the broadcast crew for the Mae Young Classic simply because WWE released a behind-the-scenes video uh, of, I think, one of the training sessions or something for... Either new recruit, because I think after she got inducted to the Hall of Fame, they made her like a part time trainer or something like that. Or she just came in for a couple guest yeah, sessions. Yeah, did like some seminars and in, stuff, I in think. the performance, uh, performance center. center. Yeah. And they released this video of her giving a speech about what it means to be a pro wrestler to like an enraptured audience of like, say, seven to I 12. Seen this women's wrestlers uh, down in the Performance Center. And I thought to myself watching that video that just in hearing her speak sincerely about her profession as a teacher to students, that she spoke better and more eloquently and with more conviction and realistic, uh, you know, something that I could buy into, something that made me emotional to listen to, than Lita has ever in a million years, yeah, Lita. Lita will never have that kind of emotional connection with me as an analyst or commentator. I like this as an answer. Uh, so I think she can obviously speak. 
you know? Sure. And I think she would be a good on-screen character, and it would really redeem Alexa from this weird, like, Twilight Zone that she's stuck in at the moment. Alexa and, like, a bitchy mom yeah. also is something that would, like, totally Because work. Alexa seems like, in real life, the product of, like, an overly managerial yeah. stage parent. What do they call that? Yeah, like, um... Yeah, sta- it's a stage, stage parent. So yeah. I think that's what it is. There's another term for it I can't remember right now, but yeah, also stage parent. Um... Tiger mom or something like that. Maybe something like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. But gosh, uh, this is great. But like, because she was a cheerleader back in high school, Uh, and I would assume that her mom was probably actively involved in that. It makes sense in my head. Yeah, that that would be her upbringing. And yeah, and like pairing them together as a heel pairing and making uh, Alundra like this significant character within the world like maybe on the level of a GM at some point like I'm assuming that oh, we're just cow, taking you're, you're. we're just recasting this Kurt Angle storyline yeah, right? right so I like it yeah Alundra Blaze and Alexa Bliss Mine, Justin, also has to do with giving somebody uh, a little bit of, I would say, needed depth right now so because it gives them some backstory since that Bailey feud really fell apart I feel like Alexa has not been trusted with like anything no, no, Mike. after that this is your life segment blew up and to pin oh, yeah, that on her is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, anybody else would have done somehow even worse. Mine is not to do with Alexa Bliss, though. Sorry. To... No, no, not at all. Um, mine is to do with a, a gentleman who, who doesn't come up on this show enough in my life. Because I think we're both pretty big fans. Okay. And that's, uh, that's Bray Wyatt. Oh, all right. Um, I think Bray Wyatt. I thought you were going to say, like, Jack Gallagher and William Regal for oh. a second there. But that's a good one, too. Holy shit, that is a good one. <laughs> Mine is about too Jack obvious. Gallagher. It's almost too obvious. <laughs> it is a little. Mine might. You can. You can tell me. I think mine might be a little too obvious, but I do think it gives a little bit of backstory. And mine is that Bray Wyatt's illegitimate father is Kane. Oh. And so what this is is it's giving where why does Bray have mystical powers? You know, we understand the Wyatt family, but why can he appear and disappear? Him having some uh, genealogy that you can trace back to the Demon Kane. I think I th- that gives them. I some, think that's a great choice because. I think The Undertaker is too obvious. Right. But to say that he's like nephew of The Undertaker exactly, is they are still brothers. enough of like a, a bloodline trace. And Kane himself obviously has some supernatural abilities with fire as well. well like, I th- and, and it's an interesting use of Kane at this point in his career. Correct. Too. And that is why I did it because The Undertaker is retired. I'm putting up air quotes. But Kane is still somewhat active once he's now the mayor of wherever the Knoxville, fuck I Knoxville, think. Knoxville, that's right, Tennessee. Now, the, there are some problems with it in that Bray Wyatt. Yet. Bray, oh, he I probably was, will never be. He's but the mayor of my heart. There to dream. The mayor of my heart, Kane. I, I can't wait for this election to end so he can resume his gimmick of interrupting intentionally shitty segments. <laughs> <laughs> that was like uh, the, it only lasted for like three weeks, but was that was great. a great thing really where good. they just intentionally put the stupidest, dumbest shit on television that they possibly could to make people boo furiously. Uh, like, Cade would and then like, Kane hey, would just come out and choke slam someone to tremendous. hell and then walk out immediately. Excellent. So- so there's some issues with it insofar as, like, stature-wise, Bray Wyatt doesn't look like Kane. That's true. There, there, there are some issues, but I think... But also, it... Kane has been buried under a mask for most of his career. Correct. And not only that, Kane also had relations in the Attitude Era with some short women. Trish Stratus, Lita, these were people. He was Kane married Nick. to Lita. That's right. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hello. 
Is this thing on? Well, and, uh, no, let's restart but, the show but, after okay, that. One. But, but, but it, it, so I think I think it does do something for the Bray Wyatt character that it's uh, it legitimizes his legitimizes his like uh, or legitimizes I should say his like mysticism. Exactly right. And like you said, I was going to bring up. I like the Undertaker as the uncle thing too. And maybe he has his. It gives a role for Kane if Undertaker wants to come back. He doesn't have to wrestle. They can even be flanked by these two. Because we're like four years into Bray Wyatt at this point, I think. Yeah. And the character has not really changed very much in that time. And, like, four years in, there's still this, like, will, is he, is he not sort of uh, actually magic, or is he just a cuckoo bananas crazy person? <laughs> I guess this makes me the devil's favorite grandson, man. <laughs> <laughs> you ready for the next question? I am. Next? I like that a lot, though. That is oh, very thanks, good. buddy. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, here, you you want to give this one a go? Sure. This one comes to us from a friend of the show, Mitch Pollock. Hello, Mitch. Music producer for CBCQ. Oh, what a guy. And he says, what a show. in light of the Cena neck injury, or neck incident, he actually says, I'm light, but I think he meant in light. <laughs> wow, Mitch, we take back your friend of the show status. <laughs> in light of the Cena neck incident, what's the most difficult WWE injury to rewatch? Okay, so... <laughs> the first thing that popped into my mind here was Vince McMahon tearing his quads. That's not difficult at all. It's, it's only hilarious. It's super funny. It's super like, hilarious. It's obviously incredibly painful and a horrible thing that <laughs> but happened. But it's so funny. But it is actually probably one of the funniest things that's ever happened. It definitely. It's probably the wrestling. funniest uh, in life, I think, in history. Um, my answer for this, it, it probably isn't the actual worst. I'm interested to hear your answer. But the one that came to mind for me and I'm going to stick with is, um, do you remember when Hardcore Holly sandbagged Brock Lesnar? Yes. So he, he, Lesnar, I think, picks him up for a power bomb, if I'm not mistaken. And Holly, Lesnar had said afterwards, he sort of sandbagged him. And Lesnar, rather than like doing some sort of extra lift, decides rather to just be like, oh, fuck you then. And drops him on his damn melon, like directly on his head. And Hardcore Holly, not a small man. So so that is my answer, because it looks like his head goes through the mat. It's it, it's no good. Um. So yeah, that that is mine. Anything coming to mind for you when you read this? Um, I mean the Kurt Angle. Oh, you mean the Brock? Uh, yeah, on yeah, the Brock. Brock Lesnar again, but Brock going for the Shooting Star Press oh. at WrestleMania. That is like insanely scary. That's much better than mine. Like I, I think it's really awful anytime anyone lands on their neck. Like, uh, like. I honestly think that if you saw someone come down the way that John Cena did on SmackDown this week in a football game, well, be stretched that off. that player would leave in an ambulance. For sure, yeah, of course. It was horrifying. Uh, but yeah, anytime somebody kind of lands on their neck, it's always scary. And like for Brock, obviously, it fucked him up a great deal as well. Well, and with yours, what's so good about it is we sort of know, we've heard them both talk about it at this point, and that Brock was basically unconscious going for the pin and was, you know, genuinely messed up. Yeah, that's a that's a really, really good answer. I also, in terms of, like, this is not something that resulted in an injury beyond, like, a concussion necessarily, but a concussion is still a scary thing. Of course. The first thing that jumped out at me, like, one thing that I've seen a lot because I watched the match a number of times because I think it's an all-time classic. Yep. We were talking about Shane McMahon earlier. One of his best matches of all time, we were just talking about Kurt Angle as well, oh. is against Kurt Angle yeah. at King of the Ring, I want to say 2001. 
Uh, yeah. And yeah, they had. I I sometimes think it's 2002, but I think that this was during the invasion angle. So I want to say 2001. Uh, Shane and Kurt Angle, and uh, it's a street fight, and they are supposed to be doing a suplex through what is said to be dummied glass, yeah. like sugar glass that's just going to crack apart on impact. But I don't know if there was some sort of concern from the tech crew that thought, oh, this dummy glass is going to shatter when we let the pyro off at the Aye. beginning of the show, so we can't use it. And they just put in like the real like thick plexiglass just, that it was not worked at all. They try multiple times. Kurt is just doing these belly-to-belly suplexes trying to put Shane through this glass. And he is slamming into it and then sliding down and basically, again, landing right on top of his neck. And, like, there's nothing scarier to me than neck bumps like that. It's brutal. Uh, I think it's interesting here that neither of us picked, either, like, some of the career renders, like the, the gold board kick on Brett or uh, I again never watched WCW right, right, right. so I've never seen that even though I've heard a lot about it yeah that years. one it doesn't look especially brutal but knowing what it goes on to do which is in Bret Hart's career yeah. it's hard or uh, the stone uh, Brett Owen Hart pile driver on Stone Cold that you know shortens his career greatly and again that's before my time a little right. bit as well so but those are some of the ones that come to mind for me yeah uh, tough tough question because it's hard to think about these things yeah, I think we, we intentionally try to gloss over them in our memories. I focus on the good times. Me as well. And let's keep the good times rolling. Are you ready to answer a question from the ice cream cake eater himself, Blair I Pacheco? Sh- I sure am, Blair Pacheco. Pacheco. <laughs> Blair Pacheco asks, if Bobby Heenan, my guy, was a manager in today's WWE, who would be in his Heenan family? I think we should answer this together. Oh, okay. Yeah. So let's build the family. Okay, overall. so so the guy that came to mind for me instantly is Seth Rollins has to be in there. Can you, for full historical context, now tell me like who was in his the family original back Heenan in the day? family? I would yeah. need to Google it. Okay, well I can do that while you sort of build on who you'd like to see. Okay, so what? Uh, well, hang on. So I'm trying to think now who would be. He went through a whole ton of people at the time. Because I've done this exercise in my head before where I've built like a new four horsemen sort of deal. Okay. Uh, and I was I would have put like Cesaro and Miz and okay. like a couple other guys in Together. that. Um, the guys I can remember, Stan Hansen was in it, Blackjack Mulligan. Uh, oh, well, I don't know if Andre's in the family, here's but he's the, managed here's Andre. Here's the members in WWF. Okay, anyways. hit me with those. Let's see how many in I got. In 1984, it was Ken Patera, Buddy Rose, and Big John Studd. Wow, it's a killer The family. roster grows quite a bit well, over like, the years. That's the problem with why you you asking like who was in the Heenan family. Like I don't know if that's just people he managed who was literally everybody yeah. or if it was like the established family. In 1985, it was King Kong, Bundy, Paul oh, Orndorff, right. Ken Patera, Buddy Rose, Big John Studd, The Missing Link, and Adrian Adonis. Uh, we get Harley Race and Paul Orndorff in there with Hercules Harley Hernandez Race was part of the in 1986. Family? In 1987, it includes Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, Haku, Hercules Hernandez, Paul Orndorff, Harley Race, Rick Rude, and Tama. All right, Rick Rude. I, I did know um, that. Okay, I don't know that we need to go through the whole history. But yeah. Okay, so let's think. Let's, who comes so to let's put mind? a giant in there if Andre's going to be in it back sure. in the day. Let's put Braun Strowman in there, too. Okay, so you're thinking Big Papa Braun. Yeah, he's going to be in there. 
Uh, I like Seth Rollins because his skeeziness can match Bobby Heenan's. Yeah, I think if Tully and Arn are in it, then we should put the Revival in as well. The top guys don't need a mouthpiece. Listen, if anything, they would be Bobby Heenan's mouthpiece, okay? <laughs> you know, listen, the, the Revival, please, Justin, don't be ridiculous. But I, I, if we're going to build like a dream sure. heel stable. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I think they are the tag team. Okay, I'm in. with you. I'm with you. So Braun Strowman. Yeah. The Revival. Yeah, you want Seth Rollins in there. I think it's a good pairing. Okay. Um, is Miz necessary to go in there? No, he can do too, his own yeah, thing. too good on his own. Uh, the Drifter probably would be good Ooh, in there. Maybe I like that as a choice. Yeah, yeah. 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 Your your mid card bruiser. Oh. I even just think that's pretty good right there. Yeah, it's probably a good crew. I think you, a woman though. You need a woman in there. Uh, I think Emma. Yeah, Emma is probably the most underutilized woman on the roster and is the best at playing heel. Also, that title definitely goes to Summer Rae, not Emma. But, All right, uh, fair. Um, that yeah. is true, actually. At least Emma gets on TV to say she wants to date. Jason but let's Jordan. let's go with Emma for the Heenan family. Okay. So our Heenan family is Seth Rollins. Yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman, The Revival, Emma, and The Drifter. I like it. I yeah. think this is a good family. Yeah, it seems like there's probably someone that we could have pulled. I think Rusev actually should be in there too, even though mm. again he's not somebody who needs the mouthpiece. He just seems like a big body who can work and just be like another intimidating force. Yeah, I think Heenan always having the threat in his pocket of uh, setting Braun Strowman on you is valuable. Yeah, and and just I don't know. It seems like if King Kong Bundy <laughs> and, and Andre are in the same stable. I think there's room for both. Brown Very and fair. Rusev. And I just think it's important to slide someone from SmackDown in there, too. I'm with you. Okay. Well, we'll move on to the next question. Two more questions this week. And thank you all so much for sending in our questions. And this one comes from, uh, can we call him the weekly question asker? Is that I, insulting? I think we can. Yeah, he is the weekly question asker. And we love it. Yeah. They're always good questions. It is Michael J. Foist. You're not kidding. And he asks, what is your favorite comedy match of all time? Okay. This is this is a, a tough one for me. Okay, do, do you have an answer in the pocket? I think all time, I probably defer to something during the Crash Holly twenty four seven hardcore oh, title gimmick okay, run. Okay, yeah, that's like, good. I I think Crash is an all time great comedy character. I think hmm. he is a very underappreciated performer at this point in history. Yep. Uh, he's someone who died very young, obviously, so Rest in peace. it's hard for us to have like a, a full appreciation of like a depth of work that he did. Yep. But his run in WWF as the hardcore champion, as like this guy it's with tremendous. a chip on his shoulder for being so undersized, is incredible. It's really good. And You're like right. just the, the pure innovation of the twenty four seven gimmick at the time is so good. Like, that Joey Ryan is still doing it today. Oh, yeah, the, the exact thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I do want to give a shout-out to him as being the best ever, I think, at, at being a, a, a comedy character. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of a specific match from okay. him. no problem. So I'm just going to name the funniest match of the year, which is one of my favorite matches of the year this year, and that is... Brizango versus oh the Usos. I'm so glad that got mentioned because I think it deserves uh, a mention. It's there. in my top five matches of the year right now it's in terms of pure enjoyment. It's our friend Matt's match of the year. Yeah, he Matt loves it, it even more than me. He loves but it. But I honestly think that that 
old lady rolling spot <laughs> just from Tyler Breeze is one of the most ingenious comedy spots. It's really maybe good. ever. It makes me like almost pee my pants laughing. It's really good. He's uh, done it since. It's always funny. I'm gonna go with two, but I'll be quick. Okay. Uh, I'll give a quick mention here to the WLC. Uh, you remember this match? I do. I don't have fond memories of it, but I thought it was a not. I didn't know if the the match itself was super funny, but the commentators all had little person version names. Oh yeah, of yeah. the commentators, I forget what they were. Yeah, it, it was like Weebyl. It, it was always. It was also commentated by, uh, like midget commentators. Also, that's right. Yes, Micro Cole. Micro Cole. That's it. I want to say we. Anyway, I thought that was it, but that isn't my answer. My answer. This is one that I don't know how many people are going to know, but there was this old Shikara match between uh, Archibald Peck and Chuck Taylor. And Archibald Peck's gimmick, for those who aren't aware, is like this super upbeat. Like he's like sort of they kind of did it with Sami Zayn a little bit, like this annoyingly upbeat Keener. But they run this angle where his girlfriend dumps him at the beginning of the show and he's too depressed to wrestle. So Chuck Taylor keeps like putting him in spots and Archibald Peck just like collapses and starts weeping in the middle of the match. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm doing justice for how funny it actually is, but it's it, it's super funny. He keeps collapsing and it's so at odds with his normal gimmick. And then there's this spot where there's a mural on the wall that's painted and Chuck Taylor tries to, like, throw him through it, thinking it's a window, but Peck just obviously goes into this wall. It's <laughs> such a funny match. One of the funniest matches I've ever seen. So that's my answer. All Archibald right. Peck and Chuck Taylor uh, from Shikara. And while you were giving that answer, I did a little research here. Oh. It's uh, Micro Cole. I did get that one right. Okay. With JB Elf <laughs> and Jerry Smaller. <laughs> 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 like it's not, I, I don't feel good it's about awful. laughing no, about it's it. awful. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I can't help it. It's really. Uh, but we do have one last question here. We absolutely do, and this one comes. I just brought him up. Our friend Matt Prince sent in a question. Oh this really? Week. Yeah. Um, nope. I messed that up. Our friend Brock sent in a question. That's what this I week. thought. Uh, sorry, Brock. He also was responsible for those drum fills we heard earlier. Yeah, he is. Brock is uh, the drummer in Chica and an amazing man. And he asks us, which female member of the current roster should be Sister, Sister Abigail if she becomes a reality? I like all the current, Bray Wyatt talk today. Current roster. Yeah. So I'm counting that as NXT yeah, or yeah, of main course, roster. Of course. Yeah, I yeah. feel like Nikki Cross is too obvious. Yeah, I... Um, and honestly, I don't know that I would like that even because I find her like, like the, the whole thing that she had with like Ruby Riot when she came in, it's just kind of annoying. Okay. Like, Ruby, Ruby, <laughs> I'm coming to get ya, Ruby. Did you just have a stroke? What was that depression? That was, that's her... <laughs> Stupid Scottish accent just saying the word Ruby over and over again. Because that was like, she just had these promos where she'd just be like, she'd pretend that the interviewer was like not even there and just stare directly into camera like a crazy person and be like, Ruby! I wish the listeners could see you. (laughs) His eyes are open extremely wide. I'm really selling it well. So who comes to mind for you that if not Nikki Cross? I have an answer, but is there anyone who... Huh. Okay, I'll jump in here. I, I like the idea of someone who is angelic, someone who doesn't look like they fit in with the Wyatt family. Uh, somebody who Bray Wyatt would 
you know, worship. Like somebody, and she's not in this use now, but I would think Lana, someone like okay. that. A I summer have a ray. choice for that. Yeah, Summer Ray is who I was going to say. That's also, yeah, who first came to mind. Someone who can talk. She, I don't want her to be ditzy or bitchy, but like straightforward, but not similar to Wyatt. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so one of those, yeah, in like, uh, like creepy, like a silent hill character kind of, way. that's right. Shows up more as sort so, of serene and beautiful more so than like being Cara Delevingne or however you say her name yes. from like suicide squad, which is more how I picture sister Abigail in my head. You exactly get my, my, uh, okay. no, I think summer Rae is actually a great choice for that. Um, if you uh, can but struck... to go the other way, yeah, like on the dirt. Side. Here you go. And again, I cast her as a heel last week. I'll do it again. I think Bailey would be a pretty good choice for that as well. I Ooh, honestly I think, hate that answer. I honestly think that Bailey has like a really good bad girl character in her. Interesting. I've seen just like a photo of her online of her like wearing her hair down and being in like a like a uh Finn Balor style leather jacket. Yeah. It's like, God, she looks bad like, maybe maybe that would be better who yeah. knows i i just can't agree with you because i haven't seen that yet yeah but uh, but i'm just like trying to think of like who uh because like rosemary is obviously yeah rosemary yeah. nikki cross and ruby rose i feel like are the three who look or page yeah. looks wise oh, page could be great at it honestly uh, um, but like yeah i, don't feel I like mean the english accent works i mean Ro- rosemary that's her gimmick already essentially yeah. so it feels difficult to try and pick somebody within the wwe system right now to be like who could have Rosemary's gimmick? But I the, think Ruby Riot is too good and has like too high of a ceiling as a babyface to yeah. be wasted on that, even though I do agree with you that she probably has the look also and could play it in a more interesting way than just being like a Rosemary clone as well. The only thing that would be important to me is that Rosemary and uh, Nikki Cross are both sort of zany and wacky and out there, mm-hmm. and it would make Bray look stupid to worship and follow someone like that. Like, I True. want like a Galadriel presence from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, something. yeah, no. I, I, um, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down here. But if we sure. can stretch the question a little bit and not do somebody current WWE, an awesome Kong return and a sister Abigail would just rule. Okay, okay. So those are my answers. All right. I'll, I'll summarize. There you go. Yeah, uh, I'm going to stick with Bailey again just okay. because I, I'm going to keep pushing that Bailey should be a heel until Titus runs it to Vince and we see my dream become a reality. <laughs> and? Unless she's in John Cena territory of like, oh, you could never turn her. It'll hurt the business too much. Oh, you don't want to hurt the business. I know, pal. Come on. Thanks, pal. Um, <laughs> Justin, we uh, we're at the end of the episode, are we? Yeah. Oh, it's at its end already. Yeah, I enjoy doing it. It makes yeah. me sad when oh, this, this is a, this is a long one. How long is it? Oh, we went like an hour thirty. No one wants four. to hear us talk an hour for that long. Yeah. We should have cut it short. Yeah, we, we're pushing our luck. There's here. only forty five minutes of I rounds. Know, I know. What the fuck are we talking about the whole time? Oh, we did a couple games. And yeah, I got to stop with the games. Questions. I gotta stop. Yeah, I went off on a rant about how Jason Jordan sucks ass. I apologize to the listeners. I wouldn't want to listen to me for an hour and a half. Yeah. An hour 15. I should have reined it in a little bit. I'm yeah, sorry. Listen, wait, it's Justin's fault. Yeah. Listen, blame Justin. So we'll keep the me begging for uh, reviews and sharing to your friends to an absolute minimum. Yeah, but do rate and review the show on iTunes. Yeah, do it, And please. do tell your friends that you like the show because obviously you do if you just listen to an hour and 35 minutes of it. Yeah, Jesus, what's wrong with you? But if we had some advice for you beyond just what we want you to do. Well, the, the problem with this world is there's fires everywhere now. So, oh, so yeah. if you want to not be as affected by these fires, I would say that you yourself have to be hot. And 
probably be spicy also. And the, the thing with that is if you're spicy, you probably taste great because uh, you're curry man. Titus Worldwide.